Say that again. Did, were you? Did you hear me singing "Last Dance" by uh, Oh, it was Donna Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am wearing sequined underpants in your honor. All right, so <laughs> take forty-seven. Well, I here, feel like okay. you're Francis Ford Coppola, and I'm Martin Sheen. Here's my question, though. <laughs> Moog started in the '60s or '50s or whatever the heck it was, right? Made it, uh, made it to the yeah. '80s. Yeah, died. Uh, Moog, Bob Moog died in 2005. Right, I met him once in '95, I think it was when Moog yeah. was like no one wanted analog since when I was at Berkeley, and so. Bob Moog came and gave a talk at lunch and there were maybe 50 people there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, back, back up for a sec. So the reason we're talking about this, um, we had technical difficulties a minute ago, but I, I sent Bill this, this, uh, video by a guy called Ben Jordan, who I really like. Um, and he was talking about the recent acquisition by a, a private equity company of Moog. And now the subsequent firing of, of layoffs, firing, whatever, uh, of their workforce in the States and they're off loading all of that production now to offshore manufacturing. Right. Which, and he predicted the whole thing. He predicted a bunch of things that have happened in the music, music sphere, I guess. Uh, but that was one of them anyway. So that's, uh, I mean, Bill has met. Bob and we were just talking about it. Well, and 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 then we were mentioning how a similar thing seems to have happened to Hasselblad to some extent with DJI buying mm-hmm. them. I don't know. I don't know the extent at which the Hasselblad stuff in Sweden or wherever it is uh, is actually was impacted. But I can't imagine Some... they're selling as many cameras as they were selling thirty years ago. Yeah, I I I I won't say who. Yeah, but I I know for a fact that. I, I was told that nothing happens at Hasselblad anymore without going up the chain to DJI. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's I'm not, not it's, it's not its own entity. It is, it is beholden to the higher ups. Uh, yeah. Whoever owns it, China somewhere. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen here, I guess my question is if the same is true of uh, uh, Olympus selling their camera, division to private equity and starting their own little side company or whatever it is because somebody thought it was profitable. If these companies aren't profitable, they're not there as nonprofit, you know, organizations, right? They're there to sell things to make money. Yes. I think the, the thing that with Moog specifically, Ben goes into details about these sort of sweetheart deals that, that retailers like Amazon and Sweetwater have with manufacturers and how they inflate the price of certain things, but subsidize certain other things and right. how, what, what a big game it is. Sure. Um, and within the music space, there's another company called Behringer, sure. which has come under fire um, for doing knockoffs. Uh, ben goes so far as to call them counterfeits of Moog products. Uh, there's a, there's a Moog model D there's a Behringer model D that yeah. is not the same thing. And it looks the same might even sound eerily similar, but the internal components are not the same and they have knockoffs of, you know, the Moog grandmother and the DFAM and, you know, uh, the ARP 2600 sure. is another one that they have. Um, and, and so it's, it's weird. Does that, does that devalue the legit 
hardware or does it increase the value because people are going to want the original or do they care? Well, I guess the question comes down to whether is 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 the value is the value of the hardware in it being original OEM something or rather, or is the value of the hardware in what people do with it? Because these are tools yeah. to make stuff, right? If somebody's making yeah, great I mean, music with the Behringer fake mini Moog, like who's to say that that's wrong? You know? Okay. Well, see, and that's, that's where I wanted to go with this is, is Ben's very clear that all of these things are, are luxury items. Sure. You know, that do, do you need all that to make music? N- no. Do yeah. you need all that to even sound like a Moog? No, you can do a lot of that with, you know, free VSTs and samplers and yep. et cetera. So where we can bring that into photography is, if you have a Sony camera, you can buy the G Master, right? Sure. Super serious lens. Or you can buy the Viltrox or the, you know, whatever uh, lower tier, even Sigma to a degree, lower tier lens. Sure. And is that good enough? Of course. Like, have we, have we, have we well, just overall, has, has, has the creation of art been relegated to good enough? I, I, I definitely think in the photography space, I mean, you want to go back, you could even talk about those Kiev Hasselblad 500 knockoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. I, you know, about I mean, those, those yeah. were Soviet literal copies of 500 CMs mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly it's it's sort of like with the with the cell phones or with cameras, like everyone says, you you it's hard to buy a bad camera nowadays. It may not be the camera right. that you prefer for whatever small reason, but certainly the image quality you're going to get out of any modern camera that you spend more than $500 on is going to be pretty darn good. Mind-blowing compared to 20 years ago, right? Um, mm-hmm. So have all of these things become commodities, and that's why all these companies are having a hard time differentiating or charging or or charging more or 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 even coming out with new products because everyone's like, yeah, but this thing I've got is already good enough. Right. You know, and that's the thing is, is good enough, is good enough, good enough. Right? Yeah. I mean, listen to your point about the I still the like Kiev. my 10 year old camera, right? Like, you know, and that's fine. But yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. You're cut you off. Kiev. I was just going to say uh, a Kiev 88C medium format. I'm looking on eBay six by six with the RSAT 80 millimeter 2.8 and a TTL spot finder. Yeah. Two film backs, 500. Yeah. Now, I mean, you could, you know, I bet you the equivalent Hasselblad, an old CM that you're going to buy is probably about two grand now with the same stuff um, just because of the crazy film people uh, mm-hmm. out there. Uh, that secondary market. But we is, love. Has, but we love. No, 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 absolutely. I'm just saying that like the, <laughs> the, the price of those things has probably doubled in the last five years, right? Because of. Right. Um, and so are you going to get four times the camera for four times the money? Right. I don't know. I mean, I've never, Here, I, I've only ever played with one of those Kievs like for a second once. Here's a 500 cm with an 80 mil 28, 2500. Yep. Uh, 500 cm with a planar 80 mil 28 and an A12 finder 1350. Man, I so, sell but still mine. significantly more than I 500. Bought, I bought my cm with the back and a and an 80 28 for I think seven hundred dollars on KEH oh. when I got it in 07. Was it, was it you that I was talking to that? Did you say that that the Hasselblad digital back, like the retro digital back for the 500 cm, is not a square yeah, format sensor? It's it's it's, it's rectangular. Ugh. It's the same sensor as mine. I think it's small too. It's not the size of a full piece of film. 
Doesn't that seem like a no-brainer to come out with something like that? Well, I think, I mean, this talk about commodity, right? I mean, no one likes to really talk about it, but Sony makes like 80% of the sensors out there. Right. The, the sensor in my Fuji, the sensor in my Pentax, the sensor in your Nikon, the sensor in your Sony, the sensor in your, those are all Sony sensors from what I understand. Yeah. The sensor in the Hasselblad, the, the X2D, it's the same one that's in my camera because how many manufacturers of 100 megapixel medium format <laughs> photography sent? Is there really that big of a market for those that we can have multiple people vying for this product? Um, well, you know what we should do? <laughs> start making sensors? That's right. I mean, come on. In your How basement? How much could it cost? Yeah. How much could it cost? I've got a soldering iron. You, you, you and I invest $600 million in lithography <laughs> machines. But, you know, I mean, there it's is... It's a big basement. It, we could do it. <laughs> I mean, we probably could. We may have to level some things out and put in some support underneath the floor. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like um, I, when people talk about brands going out of business uh, for, I mean, we've seen them come and go even in the years that you and I have known each other. Sure. Olympus was on its yeah, way sure. up. Micro Four Thirds, this, that, and the other thing. Like everything was blowing up. Oh, this is the future People don't need these big sensors anymore. And yeah. And you know what? Who's still the boss of all this stuff? I guess is Canon probably. And then Sony. Nikon is way down. Sony somehow leapfrogged them. These people go up and down, right? I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people who worked at Nikon who no longer work for Nikon. Yeah. You know? Well, and and I mean, my gosh, the the Nikon's latest camera, the Z ZF. Shots fired at Fuji. I mean, it's a direct. You can't. Sure. You can't say that that camera and the ZFC are not direct competitors no. to that Fuji kind of analog styling. And of all course, because I mean, they think. Well, I think that they see the writing on the wall from all the young, younger photographers who like the old cameras, and they're like, "Well, I'd like the old camera look with the efficiency of modern digital, whatever." And people are buying the Fujis in large part because of that, or you know what they think that is, you know. Um, I mean, I, uh, this weekend right now, it's Monday, um, October 9th. This is, uh, the last day of this year's Eddie Adams workshop. And I'm not there this year cause I'm flying out tonight. Um, but you know, for 34 years, it was Nikon as their main sponsor. And for the last few years, it's been Canon. Really? Yeah. Cause wow. I mean, Eddie was a Nikon diehard. Wow. I mean, if he was still alive and saw the Canon thing at his, on his barn at the, up there, like, I don't, you know, but, but, you know, they need, um, they need the sponsor, right? They need the people. Yeah. So like, you can't and blame it, them. Let's face it. I mean, it, it, it's not, I would imagine it anyway, really, in that case, it's not a, who's got the better hardware. It's who made the better deal. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is that they all have good hardware. It's like, no one, right. I don't think there's anybody who would say that the Canon R5 is not an amazing camera. Even people yeah, who don't sure. use Canon, it's like, well, that's a great camera. Cannot go wrong. You know, if you, if you wanted to say, give me the one camera, I have $4,000. Give me the one camera that I can recommend to everybody. Well, the Canon R5 is probably the one you would choose. You know, it does everything well. Um, you may not like it or you may prefer another brand, but there ain't nothing wrong with it. And it's going to do everything you want it to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's I I look at this stuff and... 
I feel for the fact that there's nostalgia for certain brands and the way things were done and that kind of stuff. But I also understand that this is all, do I believe that there are people at Canon photography division who believe in the soul of photography and really care about photography? Sure. Is that why Canon's selling cameras? No, they're selling cameras because they can manufacture cameras and make a profit from it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the, at, on some level we want it to be different. Some of us of course. want it to be different and, and lament the fact that it's not, I mean, you know, like, like yeah. Ben was saying about Moog, you know, w- when those things were made in, in house in I think North Carolina, I think it was, um, you know, those people cared about what they were doing. And, and now he's like, do you think anybody, you know, in some offshore factory is going to give a shit about what they're making. He's like, they're, he said something like they're, you know, they're making synthesizers or pedals one day and cat food dispensers the next. They don't care. Well, okay. To your point though, you're, you're then arguing that the tools, them, the making of the tools themselves was an art and now they're commodities. See what I'm getting at? Like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I, I kind of want to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it may be that, I mean, I think that do the modern Moogs, are they still built with actual analog components or does it look like yeah. an analog the, thing the on the outside, but inside it. it's digital? Yeah. No. You, you, you look at the, uh, the little circuit board and it's all diodes and okay. you know, it's not, you know, solid state, but I don't know what, I guess a diode is still solid state, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, not digital. Yeah, not digital. That's what I mean. Um, okay. I just, I don't know, man. I like it. I try not to become too nostalgic about that kind of, I, I know what you're saying. And I, I agree with, it's sad that something that seemed to be working, something beautiful that seemed to be working was destroyed because somebody wanted to squeeze a few more cents out of it. 100%. Yeah. Um, and that's because, because what they can do over there is good enough. And I, it, it makes me question then Bill, if, if the tools that we start using are just good enough and, and because we have to put out so much content that becomes good enough, where does that leave exceptional? Where does that leave? Does art then become just good enough? Okay. Let me ask you a question here then. What if the ones that came off the factory line in America actually broke down more than the ones that came off the factory line in Thailand or whatever? Would you then say that the ones that were made by people who didn't care somewhere else were actually better? They're, they're doing the job better that they're made to do. And that's a, that's a great question. And it's, it's a, it's one that's hard to answer because it, it, we're, we're not just, we're not just talking about manufacturing. I mean, there's a, there's a pride of workmanship and because it's made by hand, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the yields aren't as good because that thing is wound by hand or soldered by hand or sure. whatever it is. It's not done, you know, just stamped out by a machine and then, and then laser soldered or etched or whatever it is. Yeah. And you're also making a, I mean, that guy in that video, I haven't watched the whole thing, uh, but you, you know, he's also making assumptions that these people, wherever these things are made, don't care just as, just because they are not making that specific thing all day long. Doesn't mean that they don't have pride of work. The, the, entirely true. Entirely true. There are a lot of assumptions being made and I grant you that. Yeah. I just wonder. Yeah. It just had me wondering around, you know, all of this stuff has, I guess, wondering and questioning to your point. I mean, that's a great point. If it's, if the yields are not as good, 
it's it's yeah. it's 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 hard to it's hard to argue against modern manufacturing techniques. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. you don't see cars on the side of the road with their hoods up anymore. And when we were kids, you did, because cars don't break down. You know, there's like there's like people things have gotten better. And people may lament and say, I loved my car from the 1950s. You mean the one that you had to change the oil every like 600 miles because the bearings would, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and some of them would say, yes, exactly. That's exactly why. Because I like to sit around on Sunday and change my oil. And, and I remember s- sitting in cars when I was a kid and pumping the brakes because my father was, was, uh, uh, you know, changing them, bleeding the brakes. Yeah. I'm sitting yeah. in the car yeah. pumping my legs burning, you know. Some people keep have nos- going, Billy. Keep exactly, going. and some people yeah. have nostalgia for that. And I'm like, oh God. I I mean, I guess it's in it's in it, it is a matter of perspective. I I watch you know Brian Setzer, yeah, from Stray Cat. Sure. So he he's I don't know whether he, how old is that guy now? Oh, keep going. I don't know, I'll look 60 it up. Sixty something. Yep. Seventy maybe maybe in his seventies. Anyway, I I don't I couldn't get whether he's just a Gretsch guitar user and and sort of fan or whether he has a stake in the company but i watched this video and he was talking about when when gretch started making guitars again yep they wanted you know they they couldn't get the sound that they were looking for and and they came to brian because he collects all these guitars let's go play with your old ones to see if yeah yeah and and what they ended up doing a friend of brian's apparently is a doctor and had access to a, a cat scan machine and rather than taking apart one of his sort of prized 59 Gretsch hollow bodies, they cat scanned it to see how it was constructed because nobody at the company, nobody who was still at the company knew how they were made anymore. <laughs> right. So, see, I mean, that sounds like some, that sounds they, like some good social media PR right there. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think there would be drawings somewhere, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they cat scanned this thing to see how it was made and, and the kind of, you know, they looked at what kind of wood it was and they ended up going back and making, starting to make these hollow body guitars the way they used to be made. Now, it means they're more expensive. It means they don't sell as many of them. Sure. But to the people who use and collect, I mean, I'm not a musician, so I can't really speak to this. But for for people who are guitar players and aficionados, there apparently is a difference. Yes. Yes, that is true. Between a, a 59 Gretsch and a 1987 Gretsch. Sure. What, you know, whatever. I guess it's the same thing around like Les Pauls and Fenders where people will insist that you know, the older Fender guitars and, and the hand-wound humbucker pickups sure. and blah, blah, blah. Those in the are same all... way, I like the shutter in a Leica M4, but the M3 right. was whatever, and I hated the winder. And, you know, it just feels different. They changed the 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 the, the, the weave of the cloth and the cloth shutter, and I can tell. <laughs> I can tell the difference. It's now, yeah, it's now a tighter weave, and boy, I can t- Yeah. So uh, I guess is all of this just a, do we want these things to be true? I think we like to fetishize all this stuff. We like to think that this it's these small little changes that really matter. It's a little bit like what we were talking about last week with the lens stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I can't, unless it's some kind of crazy lens, like the lens babies that Patrick uses and those kinds of things, which are trying to be bad in order mm-hmm, to be good. Mm-hmm. Intentionally swirly and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, massive yeah. Like, bokeh I, and all that. You're yeah. not going to look at something and go, oh, I can tell. <laughs> you know, all the all these lenses at f4 or 5 you're not going to tell the difference between them you know it's they're 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 all amazing and they're all perfect now it's it's you know it's silly but i mean it doesn't mean that we can't it doesn't mean that the m4 that i bought in 2007 
doesn't mean something to me. It doesn't mean that I don't have the serial number memorized, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause, cause that, that camera feels a certain way to me. When I went and I bought it, they had a number of M4s cause I was looking for an M4 in particular, uh, cause M6s were too expensive. Uh, M7 had just come out, so there were no used ones. Um, and I wanted, yeah, I wanted an M4 cause I was like, oh, let me just go back to the last old school one before it gets to be. The M3s, the winders are a pain in the neck. So the M4 is sort of the sweet spot. And I went and they had three of them and I went, tsk, shk, tsk, shk. and then I went to the next one and did it. And it's like, well, that shutter and that the, the, the springs were different. You know what I mean? Like it was tensioned mm. differently. Like it was, this one had been shot more. Or this one had been uh, 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 fixed recently. You know what I mean? It's like, right. but it's like the one that I chose is the one that felt right to me. And it still feels like that, you know? Not that I've shot thousands of rolls through it, but it's still my camera. And I think we'd like to think that there's some magic in there. If if someone swapped my Pentax out, I'm leaving tonight. If in this week somebody broke into my house, took my Pentax body, put another one in there that was equally worn, would I notice the difference when I got back? I don't know. I'd probably what, think, oh, know, it's my what? Pentax. No, here, here it is. So- <laughs> All right, Uh-oh. ready? Uh-oh. Somebody breaks into Bill's apartment. <laughs> they take his Fuji. But a few days later, they return it with a note that reads, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm taking the Fuji with me um, because it's smaller. Um, and if somebody wants to rob me of it in Paris, I will get the oh insurance money. God. Wouldn't that be funny, though? <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Sorry. It comes back in a FedEx box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, <laughs> little C note there for the damage to the window. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, my bad. <laughs> it's so wrong. I, you know, when when you travel, do you, you get stressed out when you travel? I should know um, the answer to this. Yeah, I probably do. I, yeah. you know, I get stressed out about missing, like missing the flight or missing the connection or you know, once I'm on the ground somewhere and Adrian and I are just kind of wandering. Yeah, happy place. Happy place. Yeah, it's but the, I like being someplace else. I don't like getting somewhere. I don't like getting someplace. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, apparently, Air France told us that we were supposed to be there four hours before our flight. Oh my gosh! Like really? Four hours? <laughs> Is that just to allow to get through security? I don't know, but we have pre-check. We're gonna blow through security. You know, it's just it's like four hours. But see, I'm worried because in oh five, oh six, oh four, somewhere around there. I went to Paris. Wow, this is like a Jimmy Buffett song. Um, <laughs> you went to Paris. Um, and oh, uh, I took a Fuji. <laughs> questions that bother me so. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> but we, we got back to Charles de Gaulle and it was a two hour thing before the flight. Never tell the story. Anyway, mm. we got there and we were at, we, the, the train we took got us to the wrong terminal or we got off at the wrong terminal. We had to go to the other terminal Uh and we got there one hour and 59 minutes before the plane was going to leave and they wouldn't let us check in. They wouldn't let you check in? No. Wow. And then security guys came over and opened all of our bags and went through them with a fine tooth comb. They made Mm. us go to the next flight, which was five hours later. The funny thing is is that our original flight um, was delayed by two hours. 
So left very close to when we were. And you still, you, but you still couldn't get in. You still couldn't get on. And then when we went down the tarmac to get, or down the uh, jetway to get on the plane, they stopped us and went through our bags again. On the jetway? Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yep. I, I don't wow. know if they thought we were drug dealers or something. I don't know what, but I was like, are you kidding me? Like we were a minute late to check in. Were you wearing your run DMC hoodie? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I looked very shady. But I just With love that kind of stuff. Baggy like, jeans and, and yeah, untouched yeah, yeah. Jordans. So I'm know. flying out tonight at 1230 and I'm a little, I'm for some reason, I'm more anxious than I normally am when I travel. And I think huh. it's because I've had multiple frustrating experiences in Paris with trains and airplanes that have like made me like have a little PTSD about it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, where, uh, where, where, where'd you guys end up staying? What, what's your, we're what's staying you, at your place. Are you? Yep. Oh, good for you. I, I hope you like it. Yeah. We, well, we, we loved it. We'll, we'll let you know how it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be fun. Oh, by the way, you know, you get the, 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 the card to use the subway, but yes. you use the card and you connect it to your phone and you could buy the tickets on your phone, but you can well, you get, you couldn't do that last time we were there, but yeah, I, okay. I, I understand. And then you get a, you can get a higher end version of it that you can then buy weekly passes on. So it's 30 euros, but it goes Saturday night to Sunday it goes Saturday, Sunday to Sunday. So it'll be, or Monday to Sunday. So like it started today. If I bought one and it would go to Sunday, That's great. but, but we're there until Tuesday. So, you know, Monday and Tuesday, we got to figure out after the fact, but for 30 yeah. euros, we could travel. But here's the thing. It turns out if you want to get that level of card, <laughs> you have to bring a picture of yourself to it for them to attach to the card. And it has to be three centimeters by two and a half centimeters. Huh? We only found this out while like searching through the details of this stuff. And they're like, oh, by the way, make sure you bring a picture. I'm like, what? You have to bring a picture to get a Metro card? Apparently, if you awfully odd, if you want to buy like the monthly, weekly passes, they want to sure that you're the one using it. Oh, so you're not handing it around to your friends. Exactly. Uh, and so okay. you have to, so they have to bring a picture. So I will not be beaten by these french bureaucrats so i i <laughs> this is the stand that bill's going to take so i so i took our our all of our passport photos shrunk them down and cropped them to two and a half by three centimeters that's funny and then and then uh uh printed them out i gotta go pick them up so at what, cvs in an hour you, what do you do you go you go to the little hut and they they laminate you a card i don't know i'm gonna find out but i'm bringing the pictures if they go yes but uh, you need the picture and i'll be like yeah i have the picture so we're going to try, huh. it's going to be a bit of a thing. That's, I, that's, so what is it to ride uh, the, the Metro now? Each, each, is it like four or two, five euros to ride it? Two, two twenty, two forty, something like that. Huh. Huh. But you know, it adds up over a few days. So yeah, like yeah, if, sure. we can get, yeah. if we can get the first six days of our trip for, plus it includes up to, I think zone five on the RER. So we could go all the oh, way wow. from the airport on that pass. Wow. If we get it working. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And out to Versailles and back. As I, as oh, I read cool. it, I'm sure yeah. I'll be wrong and get fined 60 euros like I did last time. We didn't get to Versailles and we didn't get to the Gary uh, Museum in uh, Le Difference. Oh, you, you gotta, you gotta go to the Versailles. Versailles is like, we're going Versailles tomorrow morning or not tomorrow morning. We're going uh, Wednesday yeah, morning. The morning when you get, yeah. the first morning we, we start, we're like going straight out to Versailles because it's the one really nice day we're going to get there. It's going to be overcast, but fine. Anyway. Uh, so if you're in France, uh, anybody out there, uh, let me know. Um, 
Hey, I have a, we're going to keep this one <laughs> short, right? What? Oh, I got to go pick up the picture. Oh, you know what else I have to do? Uh, I've decided I'm going to take this new migraine drug called Mgality. Mgality. Yeah. It's, it's a once a month injector that you like stick on a soft part of your body and you go click and it goes thunk and it shoots into you. And then it takes like 10 seconds to push the drugs into you. And apparently it feels like the worst bee sting you've ever had. You've already, but wait, wait, I haven't done it. I'm I'm picking it up today. So you're going to do that and then get on a plane. Yeah. And the best part about it, what could go wrong? The first time you do it, you got to do two. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) There's all these videos of people Uh, saying like how they prepare for it and they ice themselves for 30 minutes beforehand and, you and know, some people put it into bless, their legs. The problem is Conrad and her and her patience I don't, with you on the, the problem is I have like no right now because I row so much. Like I don't have any soft things. My legs are really there's no fat on my legs. So I'm trying to like maybe go into my stomach or my butt or something. Anyway, I gotta figure this out. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. All right. Um you wanna keep this one real short? We can we can do photography for the week or we could keep going. No, keep going. We're only at, what, 30 minutes? Okay. We have seven and a half minutes on this call, so we may need to start a new call is my only thing. Oh. Well, we could, I mean, we can keep it short, and then we'll we'll come back uh, when you get back, and we'll do a longer one. Okay. Whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, it's going to be leave fun. Them, leave them wanting more. I'm going to shoot, so I'm going to shoot the Fuji Square is my plan. I love it. And, I love and not, it. And not use the viewfinder. Fuji Square back screen. Like, so I'm going to use it like a waist level. Love it. You you do love that? Yeah, I can't wait. You're not yeah. just you're not just talking crap. No, I'm serious. I love it. It <laughs> is it is fundamentally changing how you shoot, and I I believe with every fiber of my being that that something fundamentally has to change in how you shoot to get you back into being in love with photography again. Yeah, true. I really do believe that. No it's bullshit true. aside, all bullshit aside, <laughs> some of the bullshit aside. You know what I mean. You're like, no, I mean, I mean nothing of what, I mean, I mean what I say. I mean, I mean, I'm talking complete shit. No, (laughs) seriously. I, I think that, that I think you have a lot of great photographs left in you. You just, you're having trouble seeing them at the moment because you're frustrated with the act of photography. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I was also thinking about it because I, I put up a picture up of, um, uh, a friend of ours, Megan Coley, who's a, a the the person who's a um, uh, ranger, park ranger in a national. Oh yeah, park yeah, Service. yeah, sure. And I I photographed her originally in 2007, and then I photographed her in 2019 because uh, we met up with her again. And and I was just thinking, you know, how much how much different how different it is photographing people setting up shoots. Like some people have I mentioned it once before, and some people wrote in saying. Oh my God, it's so different lately. Like trying to get mm. people to take pictures mm-hmm, is far, mm-hmm. it's far less. Oh yeah, sure. It's more like, well, what are you doing with them? What are, I want to get paid. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know, you making money with this. It's like, oh, for God's sakes, we're just Not taking enough. pictures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wish I was. Um, <laughs> money. What's that? It's part of the problem, sir or madam. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm trying to take pictures of you to practice. Um, <laughs> anyway it'll it'll be interesting so we'll see if i'm gonna get lots of quirky photos of my uh my wife and my mother i think um i love it and, hey, and french people on the street sure you're a french uh i don't speak french i, I i'm okay with spanish and italian french i don't even tell i can't tell where the words end and begin like it just sounds like one big 
thing of mushmash to me. Like, I really don't wow. hear it. I'm not trying to be Sorry. offensive. Sorry, no, no, no. French speaking or f- French people. I think it's listening. because I took Spanish for so long and it, Spanish, you know, it's just, it, it, they blur into each other, the words in French. I just can't hear yeah. where they end and begin. It's very difficult. Can I, can I say all of the, the, the shenanigans about French people being, being rude? We experienced none of that. In oh, the they're very nice. We were yeah. there. As long as Everybody you're polite, they're very nice. Lovely, yeah. helpful, attentive, yeah. you know, patient. Loved it. Yeah. Um, hey, I have a photographer of the week. Hit me. Glenn E. Friedman. Do you know this guy? Glenn Friedman was one of the original, he was like 14 years old and was hanging out with Tony Alva and all of the original skateboard guys. I have to pull out, dude. Yeah, I have to, I was going to show this. I I saw some stuff by him a few weeks ago. Okay. Good choice. Keep going. Please keep going. Uh, And he was there and he like got a wide angled lens for his birthday one year and started shooting these sort of like wide angled shots of you know, these guys in the pool back in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of one of the original, he's the guy who basically came up with this like wide angle close to the people at the lip of the pool. Look that so many skate photographers follow. Yeah. Look at those. Look at these shots. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Oh stuff. I mean, he was there like right at the beginning when a, but like at the, at the old Z boys and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. hanging out with those guys right at the beginning he also then shot a bunch of pictures of Beastie Boys and Minor Threat and all these different uh, uh, really well-known musical acts, Tribe Called Quest, and all these kinds of people over the years. So he's 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 like one of those guys. I'm also going to put a, sh- a link in the show notes. He was on a show called The Nine Club, which mm. is a uh, it's an interview show for where they bring skateboarders on and they talk for like th- two to three to four hours with oh, like wow. it's a bunch of skateboarders talk to another large, you know, usually more famous skateboarder. And they're usually really interesting conversations, but they had him on for a while, uh, for like two and a half hours. And it's a really interesting conversation, not just about, oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that too. Cause he's, Love that. he's really good. He lives in New York yeah, somewhere. I'm trying to get a hold choice. of him. Um, uh, yeah. Added, and I think he added the E because there was another Glenn Friedman. It was easier to find the Glenn E Friedman. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, apparently that same thing happened with Doug E. Fresh. There was there was also <laughs> there was a another Doug, Doug Fresh. Fresh. There was Doug <laughs> so, R. Fresh. Doug <laughs> Doug M. Fresh. So he had to switch it up. Had to go with E. You know, <laughs> and it wasn't easy. It's funny though that he even talks about. It. He's like, if you look at these pictures, a lot of them are not that sharp. You know, <laughs> but in a yeah, but it didn't matter. It didn't. Matter. It didn't matter. Well, it just goes to show you it, 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 in a, in certain places it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah. nearly as much as you would think it would matter yeah anyway so Man, doug, doug friedman good choice or, i mean Gl- glenny friedman you, you got me the dougie fresh guy dougie friedman <laughs> his lesser known cousin who also <laughs> was a photographer if you want to leave us a voicemail we'll be back with a full-length episode <laughs> next week but if you want to leave us a voicemail uh 929-390-1916 uh, or send us a, uh, uh, email podcast at on taking pictures.com. You can also follow us at Bill Wadman on Instagram at Jeffrey stores on uh, Instagram. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll, so I'm back on Tuesday. So maybe we can hey, do it later ha- in the week. Have a good week. time. Please be safe. Keep, oh, keep your head on a swivel. Uh, yeah. Especially at, uh, up at yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do. Uh, thank uh-huh. you everybody. We will talk to you on the flip side.
This way.